Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. Welcome to Translated. This is a series where we're dealing with some really tough spiritual subjects, but these are important spiritual subjects where you and I oftentimes say one thing, but we really mean something else. And uh, my whole goal with this series is just to do what we always do, help people grow and get to the next level in their Christian walk with God. And I love to share some stories at the beginning of this series about my early marriage. And, you know, I grew up with six brothers, no sisters. And so I had a lot to learn when I got married. And I remember in our early marriage, um, I'd do a service. Of course, we were a much smaller church. And I'd, I'd do my weekend service and I'd go home and I'd say, well, what did you think uh, to my wife, Gina? And she would say, well, this was good, but you need to improve on this. It'd be nicer if you could do this better. And I would be totally deflated, just deflated because translated what I was asking her is tell me I did a great job. But uh, she didn't know it and we had to grow and I had to grow out of insecurity and all those types of things you have to do when you speak publicly. And I did. And now I allow her and others to speak in to my messages but, you know, you'd start out sometimes saying one thing, but you really mean something else. And today we're going to talk about something in church that's really important. It has to do with something that's all about our, our growth, our discipleship. And it's what we call here at Believers serving or volunteering. And uh, in the early days when the church was young, back in the 80s, I was the number one recruiter because I hadn't built my team yet. So in the lobbies, I'd be recruiting people. Hey, we need help. With the children, we need help in the youth, we need ushers. And about 50-50, 50% of the time, people just told me I can't. And they would say different things, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too busy or um, I just don't have the skill for that or whatever it might be. And so I've now, for 30 years, have lived in this thing called church. And I've come to this conclusion. I really believe translated people oftentimes are saying, God doesn't need my help. And that can go a lot of different directions. But one direction is other people can do it. Another direction is I don't have the talent to do it. And sometimes people will just, you know, they'll, they'll just tell you something that they honestly don't uh, mean. It's just they're saying something to not be able to have to serve and do things like that. So we're going to talk about this. And what I want to really help you understand is God does need your help. Uh, you are extremely valuable to the body of Christ. Before I do that, I want to help some folks in here that are in some different seasons in your life. When the church was younger and we began to have our children, we have four children, and uh, when we had our two boys, Joe and Dave, and they were young, Gina would make it to church, and then she'd, uh, twice, twice a month she'd serve in our nurseries because <clears throat> we felt we had kids. She should help out in there. So she'd serve in there, and, and she was able to do it. She wasn't working a secular job, so she was doing mothering, which is a full-time job, but she wasn't also out there in the secular world, so she was okay. But when we had our, our third child, it was like, it was just tough for her to get to church. And then when she got to church, it was like, I can't be around kids. I just can't take another second with kids. And she would come into service. She, she was in a season where she had to sit back, there are seasons like that. I have some friends here at the church that they are caring for their parents. And uh, they are so busy caring with their parents that they're not able to really get involved. And if they do, it's not at a high level because they're in a season in their life. So if you're here and you're in a season, I don't want you to walk out of here condemned. I want you to understand that God 
wrote a whole chapter on seasons in the Bible, and he knows there's a season in our life for everything. That's cool. But I also want to address everybody in here that might use life and, and the things of this life and busyness for an excuse. And I want to challenge you to figure out, is this a season I'm in? Because some of you are in those seasons like Gina was and like others are. But also, don't allow things of this earth to be an excuse for you not to do what God literally created you to do. And I want you to walk out today never forgetting this. You are uniquely made to help people connect with God. God made you to help people connect with God. And when I, when I say that word connect, and we talk about connecting at Believers, it, we'll talk about unique in a minute, but I just want to talk about the connect. We're talking about the vision of our church. Our vision as a church is we exist to see a city connected with God. And here's what that means, guys. Uh, it, it means that we want to connect people that don't know Christ with Christ, and people that know Christ, we want to connect them with God in a deeper way. That's the very reason we exist. And if you were to take a look at what I teach uh, for a whole year, if you were to observe our services for a whole year and take note at what's happening, you would find out that 95% of the time, I am ministering to Christians. I'm, I'm teaching Christians. I'm dealing with Christian growth. And about 5% of the time, I'll deal with non-Christians. But in every service, I acknowledge the non-Christians. I make them feel comfortable. And it's amazing how they can understand the teaching that I'm doing for Christians. If you teach it the right way and you word it the right way, they, they can follow along. And, and then at the end of every service, I, I give an invitation for people to meet Christ. What am I doing? Every service, I'm trying to take the Christian to the next level. I'm trying to bring them to the place where they become more and more passionate and they're following with Christ. But I'm also trying to connect that non-Christian with Jesus for the first time. We exist to see a city connected with God. Well, you can't do that. You cannot connect a city with God unless one of our core values become one of your values as a Christian. And that's just real simple. We are saved people who serve people. And that's one of the core values here at Believer's Church. And we believe that God brought us into the kingdom for a specific reason. And one of the reasons is to serve, to lay our lives down. And I love the way this is written. Uh, allow me to read this to you. And it reads like this. We believe that every person is uniquely gifted to serve a greater purpose. The local church is the hope of the world. And we are all strategically a part of it, using our talents and time to serve and save the world. And the reason we serve, whatever we do here, Jesus said we're a body. We each have a part to play we do it for the greater good. And the greater good is to connect people with God. Non-Christians become Christians. Christians become more passionate in their walk with God. And that's what Believers is all about. And nothing we do can be done without people volunteering and serving. And we have an incredible group of volunteers. And I'm not teaching this to get more volunteers. That will happen. I'm teaching this to help you get into the place that God created you to be because you're uniquely made to connect people with God. Your very purpose, your, your very, uh, your very self-worth is going to come when you begin to function in that place that God made you to function. So I thought it would be good to start out and just take a moment and talk about what's great in God's eyes. What does God consider great? And so you, you have James and John. They're two of the 12 disciples. They come to Jesus and they've gotten to know him. They're kind of hanging with him on a regular basis. They take him aside in a private room and they say, Jesus, when you set your kingdom up on earth, one of us wants to be on your right hand, one wants to be on your left hand. 
Now, in Bible days, that would be the highest positions in the kingdom. They said, Jesus, we want to be at the top. Well, Jesus told them a few things about how they'd have to suffer to get into those positions. But then, but then the, the other 10 found out, and they were really mad. And so Jesus taught us about what makes us great in his kingdom versus this world that we live in. So listen to how it reads. Mark 10, verse 41. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the secular arena, lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. So all of us grew up in this world. We know how this world works. We know the ins and the outs of our culture. Jesus said the culture of the kingdom of God is totally different. And, and we have to be taught. This is a different culture than the world we grow up in. And if we're going to be great in this kingdom, his kingdom, his kingdom is eternal. The kingdom we're in right now, this world is going to die. It's going to disappear. This is just for a season. So he goes on and says this, not so with you, the Christian. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And then listen to verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When you think about Jesus, he created heaven and earth. He made Adam and Eve. He's the creator. He took upon himself a body. He hung out with us. He came to die. But think about his life. He taught us. He prayed for us. He took his life and laid it down for us. He gave his very life for us. And he's saying, I'm your example. And he says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, if you want the Father and I to consider you great, you need to serve and make yourself a slave. And making yourself a slave, uh, slaves don't call the shots, their master does. And all he's talking about there is laying our life down for the kingdom of God. Just saying, God, your kingdom is the most important thing in my life. And this is how greatness comes. So can you see how greatness comes through serving? So let me tell you another story. Um, when I was a new Christian, I accepted Christ at 19, and I was in a church, and I turned 20, and I was there for a month or two, I don't know how long, maybe two months, and it was a church like this, only smaller, but similar to us, and I wanted to do something. I just thought, I, I, I love Jesus so much. He saved my life. He, he just opened the Bible up to me. I want to do something to help him, so I went to one of the leaders in the church and said, what can I do? I just want to serve, and, uh, and I thought he was going to tell me we need the grass mowed or we could use some ushers. But what he told me shocked me. He said, we need workers in the toddler room. And uh, I said, the toddler room? And, and he didn't know my history. I, I was shocked that he would ask me, but let me tell you my history. I'm 20 there. At 15, I babysitted one time at 15. It's the only time I ever babysitted. And I had a neighbor across the street. I was best friends with her son. And she had to take her son, who was my best friend, uh, to the doctors. And she had another baby who was two. She had two kids. They were pretty far apart. And she, she asked if I could come sit with the baby, two-year-old, uh, for about two hours while she took my friend, her son, to the doctor. I said, sure, I'll do it. So I come in, she leaves, and the baby just starts taking every toy out of the toy box, throwing them everywhere, and then she's running all around the house. So I just went and grabbed her, and I picked up some toys. I sat her down, and I said, don't move, just sit right here. I put all the toys back in the toy box, and I gave her one. I said, you play with this one, you win another, you put it back, you get the next one. I know nothing about children. <clears throat> so she sat there with a look on her face. I didn't know that it was, I want to cry, but I, I, I don't trust you enough to even cry in front of you. And, and so two hours passed, I was watching football, and she was just sitting there 
She never got another toy. She never moved. And when her mom came in and came into the kitchen and she heard her mom's voice, she jumped up and as she's running to her mom, she begins to bawl uncontrollably. And, and I'm like shocked. I'm, like, I'm just a dumb kid. I don't know anything. And, uh, and, and I went to the mom. I said, she was perfect till you came. She didn't start crying till you walked in the door. And maybe the mom figured it out, but it took me a couple years to figure it out. So now, and I apologize to her three times now in her adult life. I've apologized. If I ever run into her, I am so sorry that I abused you emotionally when you were a child. Okay. And I'll do it the next time I see her because I feel really bad about it. But I wasn't a dad yet. I had no fathering in me whatsoever. That was just an annoyance, all that noise and everything. So, um, so now he's asked me to work the toddler room. Do you, do you get the picture? So um, I said, yeah, because I, I wanted to just do anything. So thankfully, there was a, an older person in there that understood kids, and they, they kept me from making them all sit down and be quiet. <laughs> but I did that, and here's why I did it. And, and I can tell you, you know, sometimes we do things and we think, is there any value? It's so mundane. But here's what I was exciting about. While I was in there doing that, people were being taught the Bible and growing, and people were accepting Christ. And I had a part to play in it. And even at that young age, I realized, even though it wasn't something I enjoyed, it was something that I knew I was doing for the kingdom of God. And that's the heart that God wants you and I to have, to help and to just do whatever we can for the kingdom of God. So let's, t let's talk about a little bit about what makes you uh, 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 just a child of God and, and what he wants you to do and, and, and what his attitude, what he wants your attitude to be. So I'm going to help you out with this. I, I, have, I have, first of all, a bib. And uh, I'm going to wear a bib in church, guys. This bib says consumer. If you can't read it, consumer. Now, how many of us expect a baby to wear a bib? It's pretty normal. Uh, we expect a baby to be fully taken care of. They are consumers. We feed them, but they, they need to be fed. That's what Babies can't feed themselves. And we change their diapers, and uh, we protect them, and we hold them, and we rock them to sleep. We feed them milk, bottles of milk, whatever. That's normal. But can you agree that if I went home today and put this bib on and Gina pureed my food and spoon-fed me, can we all agree that's really weird? And, and it's like, come on, Joe, get a fork and a knife, cook your own food or something, you know. And, and we would think that's weird. And yet spiritually, you know, the Bible teaches that we come into the kingdom as babes, but God wants us to come to a place where we grow up and we, we take off the bibs, guys. It's, it, it's, it's time to take off the bib, not become a consumer or be a consumer. And God wants us to come to the place to where we're contributors. And uh, put the apron on, guys. You know, if you're in the kitchen cooking, and I love to cook, and uh, you're in the kitchen cooking, you're contributing. You're, you're going to feed people. You're doing something as a contributor. You're not just consuming. If you put an apron on in the garage because you're staining or doing something that, you know, with the car and you're trying to stay clean, um, you're a contributor. And God wants us to come to the place to where the apron comes on. And sometimes in the kingdom of God, we don't see the parallel between the natural world and the spiritual world. But you're going to see as we talk today that our greatest significance and our greatest fulfillment comes when the apron is put on. Listen to this scripture. It's pretty powerful. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. And it reads like this. Um, and all of you must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. For the scripture says, God resists the proud, 
but shows favor to the humble. And God's asking you and I to put this apron of humility, which is serving on, and to just make a decision to serve and to contribute. And I hope just seeing your pastor with a bib on up on the platform will be a visual that will help you and that you'll remember babies wear bibs, but adults wear aprons. And for some of you, I'm challenging this weekend to put an apron on and begin to serve and begin to work, begin to contribute in the kingdom of God. For some of you that are in those seasons, we fully understand and, and, and take that season, do what you need to do in that season. I want to talk about your uniqueness now because as I pastored now for over 30 years, the biggest problem in the body of Christ and in humanity is feeling significant. That's a huge problem for people to feel significant about themselves. People just don't feel they're valuable. And you are really, really exceptionally valuable because God made the real you. The, in, the inner you was made by God. And uh, I want you to see uh, what the Bible says about your spiritual purpose and how it was planned. And listen to Psalm 139, verses 15 and 16. You were there, God, while I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life. That's pretty crazy. Before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. God created time. So God stands outside of time. I like to say he stands above time. He can see the beginning all the way to the end because he created it. And before you were born, mom and dad, biology, they made your body. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's imperfections in, in that area of our life. There's genes and genetics and all those things. I remember when Joe was playing basketball, Joe Jr., uh, he, he began to realize that he wasn't real tall at a certain age. And he just looked at me and said, why did you marry such a short woman? And uh, <laughs> said, Joe, I wasn't trying to produce NBA players when I picked my wife. I'm so sorry, you know. And I said, by the way, I'm really short myself, you know. But uh, God, God created you. He literally made the inside you. Your spirit man's the real you. And, and, and he knows the beginning all the way to the end. He gave you a free will. But, but he already sees the choices you're going to make at the end. And he loves you so much. And I believe when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the number one reason for tears is going to be when we find out what he wrote that he created us to do that we didn't do. We're going to cry when we realize how valuable and unique we were and we just didn't see it. The enemy lied to us. He didn't enable us to see what God really made us to be. So don't put your value on what family you come out of. Don't put it on natural things. Put it on the fact that God created you and wrote in a book these incredible things for you to do within his kingdom. That changes everything when it comes to significance. Listen to this scripture, Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5. The Lord gave me this message. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you too before he formed you. He, he says, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you. He set you apart and appointed you. Now, he says, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And not all of us are going to be on the platform, but the platform's no more important than what anybody does here in church as a volunteer. Here's the important part of this verse, and here's why I read it. God knew you, and he formed you before you took your first breath. And listen to what the Bible says. He appointed you and set you apart. There's not a person in here that's not valuable. You are exceptionally, extremely 
valuable. And again, we have to change our thought because we think value is the person speaking or we think it's the person singing, the person on the platform, the person that can be seen. But can all of us agree the most valuable parts of our body are under our skin? Aren't you glad you have a heart and it's pumping right now? Aren't you glad you have a liver? Not real glamorous in, in a lot of respects, but aren't you glad it's taking toxins out of your body and taking Tylenol out when you take Tylenol, whatever it is. It's cleansing and cleansing and cleansing and cleansing your blood. Aren't you glad that it's there and it's working? You may not think your big toe is important, but talk to someone that lost their big toe. They can't even keep their balance. And every part of our body is important. And we have to change our thinking. God created us to be part of a whole and we have a function or a place to play. So that being said, I'm going to read Romans 12. It's so cool. Romans 12 verses 1 through uh, 8 it's all about your uniqueness and walking in your uniqueness. When you read verses 6, 7, and 8, it's called the body gifts, and it's just all about different ways we function within the church. One of the gifts is called a deacon, which is the Greek word diakonos, which is transliterated as deacon, and it just means to serve. And it's just all about the different gifts. It's not a complete list, but I love the way it begins in verses 1 and 2. There's something we can pull out of these verses. So listen to Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, there's a lot of ways we can offer our bodies up, but one way is through serving. And, and remember, the first eight verses are about serving. And when you volunteer and you serve in the kingdom of God, just as singing today was worship, just as we worship God with our offering you're worshiping God with your volunteering. That's a way that we worship God, and that's absolutely powerful. Well, he goes on and says this in verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Can we agree that Jesus said the pattern of this world is the ones on top dominate and, 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 and they want to be served? He says, don't do that. And we know we can take this some other directions too. But in the context, it's about, it's about serving. And he goes on and say, says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this is really his spiritual will for your life. It's not referring to your natural life, which is also important, but this is in context of a spiritual uh, position within the kingdom of God. And I want you to notice something. He talks about testing and approving. And this Greek word paints a beautiful picture. I'm going to use a modern-day example that wasn't around in Bible days, but it paints the picture of what this word means. And it has to do with if you and I go, ever go to buy a car, how many of us would buy a car without taking it for a test ride? And that's what this word means. It's like taking a car for a test ride. Why do we take it for a test ride? Well, we want to see if it has enough leg room. We want to see if we can see over the dash. Uh, we want to see, does it have the pep we're looking for in an engine? Uh, what kind of wind noise does it have when you get up to 75? I mean, we, we just want to check it out. We want to see uh, what it's like. And then we decide to buy it after we test ride it. Well, God's saying that that's how it is with serving in my church. He says, you just start somewhere and you see how it feels and eventually if you start somewhere i'll get you where you need to be we have the greatest missiles in america that have guidance systems and these guidance systems three thousand miles away they, they can land one inch to the target but the guidance system does no good unless the missile's launched and some of us sit around saying god show me who i am show me what i am show me what to do and we just sit week after week and here's what god's saying the missile has to be launched man Start doing something, take it for a test drive, and see how it feels. So let's talk about this process, and just want to talk about the goodwill of God and the pleasing and the perfect. So 
here's what the goodwill of God means. You ready? It just means serving, or it means good. It just means to serve anywhere. It's good. If, if you just do anything in the kingdom and you stand before Jesus, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, what's amazing is what's good for one could be perfect for another. We all have a specific purpose. We don't know what it is. We might start out in our perfect place. We may not, but it doesn't matter. But let me tell you another little, little, little story. After I worked nurseries as a young Christian, they had need for somebody to help with the junior high Bible study. They had a Sunday school, which happened before service. And uh, so I said, I'll help, I'll help. So I went to help. And there were these two girls that were in there that couldn't get rides. Uh, and they just looked at me and said, they can only come once in a while. They can't get rides. And uh, they, they, they just weren't in good home situations. And so I said, I'll pick them up. So I picked these girls up and I drove them to church and drove them home week after week. And that seems so mundane, you know. It was, it, was a, it was a job, and I did it week after week, and then I did some teaching in there, and then week after week, just driving them and bringing them back. But do you know that to this day, the one is a Bible school graduate. She graduated from Bible school and is serving God at a high level. The other is a good Christian woman, a mom who's a school teacher. And when I think about how mundane I thought that was, and am I really doing anything for God? And now I look at the finished product over 30 years later. Guys, sometimes we think it's mundane, but it's absolutely spectacular what we're doing. So let's talk about the pleasing will of God. And the pleasing will of God's really interested. Some of us enter into it sometimes, sometimes we don't. It just means fully agreeable, and it just means you're within the category or the spectrum of where you need to be. So you might volunteer for our tech team, and they, they start you uh, uh, work, working the PowerPoint. And you do that for a while, and you say, it feels, it, it feels pleasing, I'm close, but it's just not exactly the fit. And then you just see a camera, and you go, that's what I want to do. And you just start the camera, and you get to the camera, and then you get into what's the perfect will of God for your life. It's like the perfect will of God means that which has reached its, its, its full end. And so when it's perfect, you're right where you need to be. And sometimes those are seasonal, sometimes it switches. But this is what they're teaching us here is that sometimes we just won't walk right into it, but we just start. And whatever you do is good. Everything's good. And then sometimes you hit the pleasing, you get into the perfect, but one's not more important than another. Just remember the example of a body, and let me read a scripture to you. This is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it just talks about the fact we all have a part to play, and it reads like this, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And I already talked about this, but I want the scripture read. Every part of our body is important, and we need it all. And everybody that does something in this church, it's important. About a month ago, I, I came out of the office complex, which is on the north side here, and I had to go to the south side of the church. And as I'm walking through lobbies, I saw four volunteers in here cleaning. One was doing bathroom, one was washing windows, one was running sweeper, one was in here. And I stopped by and thanked every one of them. They're cleaning, they're, they're housekeeping, and they're volunteering to do it. And when I got past everybody and I'm walking over this way, going to my destination, I just began to thank God, just saying, God, this is amazing. Uh, I, I wonder if they know how important they are, how important it is for this church to be clean and how important it is for what they're doing. And so we, we all play a part. Every part's valuable. If you're where God wants you to be, Man, you're in your sweet spot. It's absolutely awesome. But take a look at one more scripture. This is Ephesians 4, 16, and it reads like this. 
God makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He'll get you where you need to be. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other part grow. So isn't that cool? Whatever you do, that's special. That's a, that's a special thing. And what you do helps everybody else grow. It helps us all grow. And it goes on to say, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I thought of a story that I want to help you understand this with. When Joshua was taking the children of Israel to conquer the, the promised land, uh, there was a small group of them, a percentage, that stayed back. They stayed with the stuff. They protected all the stuff. And the other ones went and fought all these wars. And you know what Joshua said? He said, when all the wars are over, they will receive the same inheritance as the ones that fought in battle. And that's the picture God wants me to paint for you today. It doesn't matter what we do. We're all going to be rewarded because we do this as a team. We do this as a whole. And that's what's important to understand. So I, I, I think this quote's pretty cool. The message doesn't begin on stage. It begins in the parking lot. And you guys are preaching Christ and you're doing the work of Christ as you volunteer in every single area. So I wanted to close today and I wanted to do something uh, before I pray. Uh, we have all these BC heroes. I'm going to just name a couple of them and I want to show you some of the heroes. Uh, and these are the, the people, we have so many, but these are the ones we could get a picture of, uh, you know, in time to put them up here. So if we didn't put you up here, it doesn't mean that you're not a hero. Uh, these are all heroes, but there's so many, many, many other heroes. And so I'm naming these names to thank all of you and to rejoice in all the heroes. And I'm encouraging some of you to become heroes that aren't heroes and to put those aprons on. So let's go through this list. This is just really cool when you see uh, who these people are. Uh, the first one is Alice Hines. She works 10 and a half hours each day at Sajar Plastic, and she volunteers during this service at Pathway of Promise. And she's just always in there volunteering. Barb Armour, she's a realtor at Northwood Realty Services, educational assistant at Trumbull County Educational Service Center, and she volunteers in housekeeping. She's one of the ladies I saw when I was going from the north to the south here in the building. Then there's Steve Sajak. He owns a business, Mackenzie's Catering in Cortland, and he volunteers on our host team. And I think he's been here almost as long as I have. And then uh, there's Tim and Elaine Turos. Tim owns a business where he's a business advisor. He consults businesses, has an accounting firm to it and him and his wife volunteer on prayer team and and they lead a connect group here at believers and then bernie bush he's the purchasing manager for vec electrical and he volunteers in paramount and then greg rally uh, another hero he has a carpet installation business he volunteers on the host team but you know what else he does he opens the building up every sunday at right around 6 a.m it's just and, and it's amazing he comes in he opens and he turns every light on. He gets every room ready before anybody walks in the building. He beats me here. And uh, what, what's really amazing is uh, not only does he do that, he only misses one week a year. And he apologizes. He goes, I have to take a vacation. I'm sorry. I'm like, go join, enjoy your vacation, man. But just faithful. Thank God for heroes like that. Renee John Tony, she was playing keys today. She's a high school teacher, a champion. She directs local musicals and plays. Uh, she volunteers on the worship team and also makeup team. And that's why I'm so pretty today. She put on my stage makeup. And uh, then we have Rudy uh, Pekarevic, who's in, in this service, production supervisor for H.C. Stark in Cleveland. And he volunteers on our 
host team. And Stephanie Shaw, she's the executive director of Eastern Ohio Education Partnership, volunteers with four local committees and boards in, in, the, in the community, and she volunteers in Kids for God and Jefferson events. Stephen Turfey, he's the assistant manager at Enterprise Cars, and he volunteers in Paramount, our student ministry. Toby Miller, retired plant manager at GM, volunteers on host team and maintenance, and, and he's here today. Uh, Stephen Renee Cicero, Steve is the office manager at Waste Transfer Systems. Renee is retired manager of Environmental Services Department, Warren City. She, she oversaw the garbage collection for Warren City, and she was their supervisor, and they both volunteer on the video team. Guys, this is just some. Can we give it up for all the heroes and just thank them for what they do? Absolutely incredible, man. I, I have some businessmen in the church. They look at me sometimes and say, this isn't fair. You have all this free labor. This just isn't fair. I have to pay everybody to work for me. I said, they're not doing it for me. They're doing it for the kingdom of God. There's just a little bit of a difference. So what, what's the next step, man? Well, if you're new here, we have next class coming up, and we're really excited about that class. It just shows you some of the next steps you can take here. And the next one is this Wednesday, so if you want to come, or Wednesday the 23rd, Sunday, May 4th, and all that can be found online if you can't remember it. But we also have our serve tent in the main lobby. You can fill out an application today to serve. And guys, like I always do, can we bow our heads, close our eyes? Let's have a God moment. I believe God speaks to our hearts, and I know he's already been doing that in all of our lives. And I believe it's just important sometimes to meditate on what we've heard and just give God a chance to deal with our hearts. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to give you 30 seconds before between you and God just to have a conversation. Can we continue in an attitude of prayer? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes for a moment more. Maybe you're in here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day when I made it real and personal with Jesus. And at this time, I'm not asking you if you um, are a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as an adult or a baby. All important things. I'm asking you, can you remember a time in your life when you made it personal and you accepted Christ as your Savior? I did it at 19 because someone shared the message with me most exciting day of my life. The lights came on. The Bible made sense. Incredible. Joy came. Fulfillment, peace, all those things came. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You know, Jesus said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. He's the Savior. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so today, maybe is the day you say, I'm ready to make it personal. I'm ready to accept him and begin to follow him. If you're here and that's you, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the building, would you help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. You were buried, and God raised you up out of that grave. I receive you as my Lord, and I make a decision today to begin to follow you to read my Bible, 
put it into practice, attend church, and to grow. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.